See, sharing is, no, it's hard to do. Sharing is hard to do. It's hard to share. I mean, if we're honest, we, we'll share things we don't like. If you open up a bag of chips, you don't like it, you share it. But if it's your favorite food, like sharing is caring. But if it's your favorite food, it's hard to share. I have a hard time sharing ice cream. Because that small container we buy, it's not even a half gallon anymore. It's less than half a half a gallon. Look at how many ounces are in there. Like they're they're shaving a, a bit off every year, I think, little by little. And so that one gallon is like one sitting for some of us, or or that that little. I don't even know what that carton is called anymore. We have a hard time sharing because we have certain favorites. You have a certain favorite candy that you hide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, and you think nobody knows, but they're on to you. They have cameras. They're watching. They know what you're doing. You're hiding things you like. We don't. We have a hard time sharing the things we love the most. It's just difficult. I came home one day and my son was eating olives, and he was at an age where you know when they put the olives on their fingers. And so he had the olives on his fingers, and he's eating these olives. But then his uncle comes home and says, oh, olives. He looks at his uncle and shoves all the olives in his mouth. <laughs> he doesn't want to share because that's his favorite. It's, it's hard to share whatever is our favorite. And whatever is our favorite, we kind of keep closer to ourselves. Your, your, your favorite car or your car or the car you polish, the car you keep clean, no one can use it. You don't, you don't just let anyone use your car. In fact, you buy two cars, one really good one, and then one bust-up one that you let your kids use. And they can use that one because they damage the good one. You don't want your new car to be damaged. When you buy a brand-new car, you don't let anyone eat in it because it's, a new, it's, it's your new car. If you have children and they're young, you fight between can we eat in the car or do we not eat in the car because they're going to mess it up. Anything that is dear to us, we don't want people to touch. When you buy something brand new, you keep it in good shape. Like when you buy shoes, you keep it in the shoe box. You put it in a nice place, a safe place. If you're a teenager, you clean it every day because when you go to school, you want it to look good. You want it to look nice. But you're walking in dirt, so it's going to get messy but you keep it clean because it's new. But after a while, after some time, the things that are new, that were once new, that we poured our heart into, we no longer treat the same because the shoes that were new are now old, and sometimes even the old shoes we just use for now weed whacking or walking around in the yard. It's, it no longer has its brand-new look to it because it's old the cars that we once kept in good shape, it's now, it's now, it's been years. And so we don't polish it every day because why polish rust? Why polish scratches? It's like, it's like after a while, that which was new in which we poured our heart into, we no longer do because it's now old or outdated. We're in this series called How Do I? And we've been looking at just practical ways on how we can live this new life as a believer. How, how do we live for God? Because it can almost sound like, well, that means I have to do things different. That means I have to change. That means I, I can't do certain things. No, when you become a believer, you can do whatever you want. You can still do the things you used to do, but you just won't like it anymore. There's going to be what we call a deep conviction that says to you, that's no longer you. So yeah, I can do whatever I want. Even as a pastor, I can do whatever I want. But it's not good for me, some of the things that I used to do. It's no longer my desire anymore. I used to drink, but I no longer drink because it's no longer my desire. It's like God removes the things that are not of him from my life so that I can become who's, who he's making me to be. We're always going to have that battle. We're always going to have the battle between I, I like doing these things, but I know it's not what God wants for me. That's not the very best for me. We're always going to have that, that pull, that struggle, that war. But we know that God is good, and everything that he does is good. So the things that he wants to do in our lives are always going to be for our good. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. He is for us. And he wants the very best for us. 
Now, today we're going to talk about a subject that we all know of. It's called giving. Once we hear that word in church, what do we think about? We think about money. It's the first thing we think about. But when we're at home and when someone says, talks about giving, there's all kinds of giving. There's giving of, of love. There's giving of time. There's giving of uh, one another's encouragement. Uh, there's giving of food. We'll, we'll, sh- we'll share food at home, giving each other uh, presents or toys or, or we'll share things like that. There are various forms of giving, but for some reason when it comes to a setting like this, when we talk about how do we give, then we automatically go into a mode of finances. And what's interesting is when we, when we come to church, we already put on what we call glasses and perspectives. We already have a perspective. We all have different perspectives when it comes to uh, being in what we call the house of God or a church. And so when we come to church, we have these perspectives. We put on glasses. Sometimes we put on the glasses of, I don't want nobody to notice me. Or we put on glasses of, I hope they don't ask me to do anything. Or we put on glasses of, okay, okay, I'm going to try one time, God. I'm going to try one time. And anything goes wrong, I'm out the doors. Or we put on glasses of, oh, what, they come to this church. Or we put on glasses of, no way they're a Christian. No way. No way. I've been working with them for 20 years. I never knew they knew God. And we put on these glasses, or even glasses of judgment. We judge other people. We have all these different perspectives. And so this morning, can we just do this? Can we just take off whatever glasses we came, off, uh, came in with? If it's your real glasses, keep them on so you can see. But if it's, if it's just these different perspectives that we have, just take, take those off. And then let's put on glasses that is God's perspective. Let's do that this morning. Let's put on God's perspective to see what he sees. Because the Bible says that God is for you. This is not in your notes, but it's, it says this in Matthew six twenty one: For wherever your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. And whatever we treasure, our heart is going to be there. So if you see something as important and valuable, your heart is going to be there too. It's, it's just going to pull your heart. That's why your loved ones, they pull your heart. Your, your grandchildren, they pull your heart. Your teenagers, they pull your heart because you, de- you, you delight in them. Whatever you treasure, whatever you desire the most will pull at you. That's why God says, whatever Whatever you treasure, there shall your heart be also. And so there's a, there's a phrase in the Bible that, that we're going to take a look at. And that, that is in your notes. And you can take out your notes from your bulletin as we talk about how to give to God. There's a, there's a reason why we, we have these perspectives. And, and God is going to give us a different perspective in this scripture that we're about to read. Uh, some of us have a perspective or... Um, we have eyes to see what is good. Like you're just that kind of person. You, you always see the positive in things. You, you're able to see something that is good out of something that is not good. When things are going bad, you're able to pull people up and say, no, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And they're, they're panicking. They're terrified. No, but this is going to happen. No, don't worry. God's going to help. He's going to take care. Yeah, but you don't know about this, this, and that. No, I know about that. And you're just so positive. And then there are others that everything is negative. No matter how good things are, there's always something wrong. They can always find one thing wrong. It's like, Mom, I mowed the lawn, the entire lawn. Oh, but you see that one piece of grass sticking up right out? You missed that one. Out of 50 acres, Mom, that's what you saw. Yeah, just to, you can just go outside, just cut them, just pull them out, just one small thing. Like we, it's just, it's, that's just how we're made up. You come into church, a, a word is wrong on the screen. It's like, oh, spelling, 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 typo, typo, typo. Typo. Pastor says wrong scripture. Oh, wrong word, wrong word, wrong scripture. Oh, wrong book. Oh, wrong Bible. What? So we, it's just inside of us. Some of us are meticulous. Or maybe, it, maybe it's the, your career. It, 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 that's, that's on you. Maybe you were an inspector at one point in your life. And so when you walk into a building or even a church, it's like, oh, look the wall. I get puka. Oh, oh, that wouldn't pass. Oh, look the light hanging. Oh, that's, that's, some, that's some check right there. Uh, or maybe, maybe you clean windows. Or tent windows or, or clean buildings. And so when you walk into a place like this, you automatically see, oh, fingerprint, 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 fingerprint. Oh, wow. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Dusty. It's automatic because of what you do. 
And we all have these perspectives because this is how we grow up in life. Now, here's, here's, here's where our perspective gets skewed when it comes to giving to God. Maybe you've been hurt by another Christian. Maybe you, you don't think the finances of a church are being utilized how you would want it to be used. Or maybe you look at things and you say, well, why are they spending money on that? And maybe our perspective is just that way because of our past. Maybe when it comes to giving to God, maybe, maybe you just don't understand yet. Maybe it's the way you're brought up, that, that the way you took care of finances, it was, it was done in a certain way. Or as Dr. Kyle Chalk always says, he just pake. So it's hard already to give in general. But it really comes back to having that heart for God, isn't it? When, when it comes to giving to God of our time, our resources, our energy, even coming to church, you really need a heart for God for that to happen because our flesh will fight it every step of the way. But only when it comes to God. We have no problems giving to other things. We have no problems and uh, uh, giving our time to watching football. That's why some of them aren't here today. Their team is playing right now. And they'll say, I'm going to come next service and next service. That's why we have three. Thank you, Jesus. And so it's hard to give of our time on certain things. But when it comes to football, we can. Right now, it's, the, it's a, uh, getting to the World Series, right, the championships. So I don't know where we are with the Dodgers and who else is playing? Cubs, right? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't keep up with baseball too much, only when the, series is, the World Series is happening. But some of you are. Some of you aren't here because they're, I don't know if the game is on today. Probably, probably not because football. I'm getting off track. Get on track. It's easy to give to things of our time that we love to do. Some of you love shopping. Shopping is easy for you. It's a breeze. It's like you don't have to pray about going shopping. None of us say, Lord Jesus, um, should I go shopping today or should I not go shopping today? No, you see the sale sign. You're like, I'm shopping. You get a text from your friend, Macy's, 50% off all day. What? You're there. It doesn't take much for us to do something like that. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much for us to go to Baskin Robbins and, and eat two scoops of ice cream. And then when you're done, ask for a milkshake after that, a malt milkshake, by the way. And that happened yesterday with me. It doesn't take much. It's very easy to do. We don't pray about those things. But for some reason, when it comes to giving to God, it's a struggle. Because then we, look, we really look at our time. We look at our finances. We look at our energy and we say, I don't know if I have enough to give to God, whether it's time, resources, energy, whatever it is. And to me, that, that's an indication in my life. When I first started learning about giving to God, it was an indication that something good was about to happen. Because why would I struggle with it that much? Why would I struggle with it? See, there's something inside of us that, that battles with the things of God. And it's called our flesh, our humanity, our human nature. Now, that's a part of us. We will always have our humanity and our flesh a part of us. But we also have our spirit that God gave to us. See, it's our, it's our spirit, our soul that that is rescued by God. That, that gets saved, we call it. That those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're saved. But then there's a side of us called our flesh or our humanity, our, our flesh and bones, our sinful nature that is always waging war with that which is saved because the body knows that it will decay. It will die. So it's fighting to stay alive. It's fighting the soul and the spirit to stay alive. Our flesh will never get saved. It's our spirit that is eternal. We return back to the ground. So we're always going to have that struggle. So now that I knew, when I first learned this, when I knew that I was always going to struggle with, with giving to God, serving him, giving up my resources, my time, I, because I knew that was going to be a struggle, I couldn't go based on feeling when it came to giving to God. I couldn't go based on what made sense or my circumstances. I had to go based on God's word in what he said. 
Because everything else is going to fade away, but his word stands forever. So I had to go based on, what are you saying, God? Because my, my perspective is off. My flesh will pull at me. What do you say? I want to obey you because I trust you. I want to be obedient to you. And he says, when you know these things, here's how you're, here's how you're blessed. He says, when you know these things, you're blessed when you do them. So I could, have, I could know all these things, but the blessing really comes when I start practicing these things that I know. When I started to do these things, then God is blessing day after day, month after month, year after year, continues to shower myself and my family. Why? Because that's what God does. He blesses his people. But the only person who can, who can withstand or 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 take that away or rob God of blessing us is us. He wants to bless us because he's for us. That's the kind of God we serve. He wants to. But I make that decision. I'm blessed when I do them. And God says, I want to bless you. I really want to bless you. Let's, let's, Let's pull back a little bit from how the world is going and the election coming up and whatever else is taking place, although important, although valuable, and although we're going to vote and things like that, obedience to God is much more important and valuable. Much more important and valuable. And it's personal to us. It affects our life personally when we obey God. There's a scripture in the Bible in the book of Genesis when God first started creating, something interesting was happening. And as God was creating, there's one word that is first recorded in the Bible before any of us were even born. There's, there's something that God did. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, and then Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, I'll read it. And it says, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. Here's the word that I want us to highlight that God first did. And that is the word give. That's what God did. He created this vault in the sky, the expanse. That the vault means to spread out or to stamp or, or the like. This word actually suggests that it means something to the extent of an extended surface. We know it as the skies above, the heavens above, space, outer space, the expanse, or the vault. And out of this vault, God gives light. He says, out of the expanse of the skies, I'm going to give light. See, this, this word vault, there are various definitions of this word vault. There's the open vault ceiling, you know, like in your home. It's, it's the expanse above where your living room is or wherever it is in your house that you have an open vault ceiling. It's not closed in where you have just a flat uh, ceiling. It's open vault. And it's, it's more spacious. There's more room. So that's, that's one definition of this vault. It's also an arched structure resembling a vault. So if you have an arched structure, that's considered also a vault because there's more room there rather than a flat surface or a strong metal cabinet, usually fireproof and burglar-proof for the storage and safekeeping of valuables and important papers. We know it as like a safe, a vault. There's room in there for safekeeping. You know what is interesting our, our design for a vault or like a safe, our design for a vault is to put things in that are valuable, to keep it safe, and to hold it there. God's definition and his design for the vault in the sky, the expanse in the sky, the space up there, was to hold the lights, the stars, the sun, the moon that reflects the sun's light. He, he, he has this vault to hold these things. But it's not to keep the light there. It's to give the light to us, to this earth, 
That's, that's, that's God's design for his vault. It's interesting. I find that our vault is to keep. His design for the vault is to give. It's just who he is. God is a giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When God created man and he created him out of the dust, God gave breath to man and he became a living being. God gives us eternal life. He's a giving God. And in the end, we receive once again, as the Bible promises us, rewards from God when we go home to be with him in heaven. God gives us a home in heaven. He gives it. He gives it. There's no mortgage payments in heaven. He gives it to us. And it will be the best home you would ever live in because he's creating it for us. He's a giver. That's who God is. And I pray that God, can my heart be just like yours? I want, I want my heart to be just like yours. So then the question becomes, well, if I have this perspective now of God's perspective and, and being a giver, how do I do that? Because with my time, my time is my time. I have a hard time having time with my family. How do I give to God with my time? How, how do I give to God when it, when it comes to my resources, things that I have, or my finances? How do I do that? Because I, I have a hard time right now with my finances. How do I give to God when it comes to my heart, when it's been broken so many times and, and I've been let down by other people and, 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 and I'm angry at God? How do I even give in my heart? Where, where does that even begin? Well, it actually begins with some choices. See, when we make choices, a choice is not always based on feeling. Sometimes we make choices based on what we know is right. Because it's good for us. We make those choices. So when you come to an age, and I'm, 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 I'm at a place that I need to really watch what I eat. I do that once in a while. I watch what I eat, make sure I'm eating healthy. And then every now and then, that, that ice cream, I'm telling you, that thing is like, it pulls at you. But you come to a place where health becomes an issue. You choose now, not based on feeling, to eat well, to exercise, or to stay away from certain things. You choose that. You feel like eating spam. You want to eat spam. Sorry, I'm, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm making you stumble. It's like, now I'm going to eat spam. It's like you, you want to, but you know it's not good. So you make that choice. See, we have the capacity to make those choices, not based on feeling, but based on what we know is good for us. God says, here are some things that will help you in how to give to me. Because we got to learn this stuff as well as unlearn some things. But here's the first thing. If you want to take down some notes, I want you to just highlight some things before. Before we learn how do we give to God. And the first highlight is our heart. To give to God with all of my heart. That word should be highlighted for us. The reason why it should be highlighted is because everything and everyone is trying to capture your heart. Everything and everyone is trying to capture your heart, whether they like you or dislike you. And even the devil himself is trying to capture your heart. Well, you, you're not going to recognize it. The devil doesn't show up in a, in a red suit with a pitchfork and mean eyes. I'm going to get you. I am the devil. He's not going to show up like that. He shows up, as the Bible says, as an angel of light. Looking at the person next to you. No wonder you're so nice. No, it's not them. The devil is very subtle. The Bible says he is crafty. So you've got to recognize that. And the way you can recognize it is give God your heart. You give him all of your heart. That's the only way we can love God is if he has our heart. That we can love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He needs our heart. See, God, God wants our heart before the giving. He wants our heart. 
He wants, he, he's not, God is not concerned about the giving of our time, the giving of our finances, our resources. That's not his concern. His concern is our heart because wherever our treasure is, there shall our heart be also. So if I'm giving to God, guess where my heart will follow? Yeah, it's going to follow after God because I, now I treasure God. I want to treasure him so much that my heart follows thereafter. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it tells us to keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Keep your lives free from the love of money. See, something happens when, when other things capture our hearts. Now, why does God say, why does the Bible tell us, don't love money? Because we, we live in a culture that we need money. We, we need finances to pay our bills. We need finances to purchase things. So why would the Bible tell us you should not love money? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says that for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, when you become a lover of money, you will wander from the faith and develop holes in your life which will cause you grief. It's because of the love of money. It's not money itself. Having money is fine. Accumulating finances is fine. Being wealthy is fine. The Bible says when you love that, because it's going to pull your heart. For whatever you treasure, there your heart heart will be also. So if you love money, you're going to do whatever it takes to obtain it. Even at the expense of having holes in our lives and having things fall apart in our lives, we'll, we'll do whatever we want or whatever we need to do because we love money. Nothing wrong with having it. But once I start to love money more than God and people, now I have some holes in my life, and I'm only going to be filled with grief. And that's what my life will look like. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it tells us, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know why God loves a cheerful giver? Because, again, He's not, it's not about the finances, our time, our resources. He's saying, I want you to be more like me in this world. That's why we call it Salt Conference, because we are the flavor to this earth. That as God does something in our lives, we can now spread that hope to other people and sprinkle that hope into other people's lives and, and let them know that there is a God who cares, a God who loves, and a God who has compassion, and a God who will take good care of his people. But we have to be the ones that make that decision and say, you know what, God, I'm going to... I'm going to decide in my heart to give. You know, this, this church from the very beginning when I first started attending has always been a giving church. Always been a giving church. You have always been generous. You have always given to God. That's why this church is still here. That's why you see young men and women always coming to know God as their personal God. That's why you see people struggling with addictions be saved and turn from their ways and then follow God. That's why you see families that were torn apart have come together. That's why you see lives restored. That's why you see people serve God because you continue to give. That's why a team like this, our worship team, they practice so that they can give their very best to God. That's why we have volunteers because they understand the concept of giving to God. You are a generous church. You know, when we first started uh, redesigning some things, and uh, especially with our sound system, boy, we were going through so many ups and downs and some headaches and, and trying to do our very best for sound because sometimes it's very loud for some people and very, because we have sensitive hearing. And so during the process, we had these earplugs. I think we still have them. And it was ear protection because it was very sensitive. Some people didn't even come in. Some people left church because we're going through this phase because of the sound. And we're still working on that, but has not the sound been better? I mean, our team has been working so hard at producing the very best sound so that you can worship our God. But it does take finances. 
it does take time. It does take energy. And you give to that. You are such a generous church. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that gives to God. It teaches me how to give to God. You teach others how to give to God. Now, there may be some of you, you're learning about giving to God. That's the first thing that God wants. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your pocketbook. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your energy. He just wants your heart. Once he has your heart, everything else will follow after because now we understand why we give to God. It's never about the gift. It's about the heart. God says, that's, that's what I want. I want your heart. And so for Heidi and I, once God got our heart, giving was easy. And what's neat about God is he, he actually gives us some parameters on how to give. And he lets us know, here's, here's how I want you to give. Here's the second thing. You need to plan when to give to God. Plan. You plan when I give to God. Now, there are going to be spur of the moments. There are going to be moments when it comes to giving to God that you didn't plan for. But more often than not, there will be enough time to plan it well. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, it was Paul the apostle that was building up these churches. And he would go from church to church to encourage them and, and teach them about God and the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation, hope, and restoration. And so he comes to the church in Corinth, and he, he's teaching them on how to give to God financially. And he says this, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. In other words, Paul was saying, don't wait till I get there. Plan ahead. It's a planned thing. That when you plan, you're able to, to see ahead on how we can give to God. And that's the principle that we want to learn from this scripture. It's not just the financial part of it. It's, it's even with serving. That when I plan in serving God, I can say, okay, Lord, I'm going to plan to be here serving you on Friday, on Saturday morning, uh, Wednesday evening. I'm going to plan doing that. Now, there may be spur of the moments that happen. Oh, sir, could you help us setting up the table? Auntie, you can help pass out bulletins. You're going to have things like that. But more often than not, we can plan to serve. We can also plan how we give to God when it comes to special offerings or, or, or special things that we may do. We can plan that. We have a missions offering that we do whenever there's a fifth Sunday of the month. We can plan that because we know it's coming up. And Heidi and I, we plan that. We say we're going to give. And we do that because the gospel of Jesus is going around the world and we want to support our missionaries. When it comes to our, our church building, we have what we call a building fund that we know that this building is not for just us in this generation. It's also for the next generation. This building is 22, 24 years old now. It's 24 years old. It's a young adult. And at this stage, sometimes it falls apart at that stage of life. 24 years old. And there's a lot of repairs that need to be made. And because of your giving, we're able to do the repairs necessary. We had a sign on the outside that ate up our wall and, and uh, rotted the front of our wall. We were able to change that out before worse things happened and before it was unsafe because you give to God. It's amazing what we're able to do together. Oh, yeah, it costed some good amount of finances, but it wasn't one person. It was all of us. This church exists. This building exists. The people exist. The land exists. Not because of one person. It was all of us put together. And those who have gone home to be with the Lord, some of them have already gone home to be with Jesus. They gave because they believed in people. They believed in what God was doing. And you continue to do so because you're such a giving church. And that's what Paul was saying to this church. He was saying, you just plan it out. Plan it out when you give to God. In those days, they had, uh, you know, farms. And we still have farms today. But they would give in various ways. And to various things, the building of the temple, even before Paul uh, and Jesus showed up on this earth, they built the temple and they gave towards that. They gave towards the ministry of Jesus Christ. They gave towards that. 
because it was more about what God was doing rather than what we were giving. It was the end result of seeing God being glorified through our giving and through the lives of the people who gave. And so here in our day, we, we have what we call uh, opportunities to give. We, we give towards our, our, our building or we give towards what we call our AC fund. It's all under our, our building fund. But we have these different things that take place so that we can hear the word of God, so that you can invite your family and friends, so that you can sit on chairs and be comfortable, so that when you hear the word of God, you, you're receptive, so that we can have a kitchen where we can fellowship together and eat a meal together, or you can sit down with your family at a low cost, where we can have a facility like this for our youth and children so that they come to know God at an early age. And the hope is that they would avoid many things that we had to go through. Your giving goes towards these things. So we have what we call an online giving. It's through our website. We have our app that we can give through. We just try to give you tools so that you can learn how to give to God. And I use our app to give to God uh, towards our building fund. But for Heidi and I, when we tithe and when we give special offerings, then we write out a check. We plan ahead. We write it out before we get here because we used to write it out when they would pray over the offering, but it took me so long to write. The offering bucket would go by, and I'm like, oh, okay, no need to give. That, that, that's just what happened in my heart. I'm like, oh, oh, you guys went too fast, so hey, next week. I'll just put the date next week. But that, was, that, wasn't, that wasn't what God was after. He was looking for my heart. So we plan to give. Here's the last thing. You just give according to the word of God. It's, it's not something that's a, a church thing, a pastoral thing. It's not a new hope thing. You give according to his word. When you give according to his word, here's what comes out of it. Not just the principle of giving, but it's the principle of him blessing. The blessings of God. And the blessings of God, I thank him that it doesn't always come back in monetary form. It comes back in so many other ways. I just need his perspective to see his blessing. God wants me to understand the why behind my giving more than what I'm giving. He wants us to understand the why. Part of it is found in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, and he says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. And let's read this last part together. Ready? Go. It is holy to the Lord. See, that word tithe actually means tenth, a tenth, ten percent. What is amazing is we have, we have taxes that we pay, just a general tax of four, I think it's 4.167 percent. That's automatic. You have no choice on that one. You buy something, you're taxed. Before you get your paycheck, I know I'm touching a, a subject here that's kind of tough for us, but our government takes almost, what is it, 30 percent maybe? So before we get paid and when we pay things, it's already 35% maybe with when we buy things, you know, 4% is taken or, or already taxes are being paid for or, or we're getting taxed a percentage. So at the end, it's like, wait, now I got to give God 10%? Now it's going to be like 45 That's almost half my paycheck gone before I even get paid. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm here as a, as a confession. I remember saying to God, you understand why I'm not giving to you. And, and so I'm going to hold back the 10 because, I, because the government takes this and I already pay 4% tax. So what, what do you expect me to do? Can you provide for me first, then I'll give to you. That's what I used to say. Can you provide for me first, then I'll give to you. If you give me more, then I'll, then I'll tithe. And the instant I said that, God says, no, you won't. Because it's not about that. I want your heart. And the moment I captured the principle of him wanting my heart, it was easy to give and cut out things from my life. I didn't need this. I didn't need to do that. It was the blessing was so much greater. Now, I love watching movies. I love, the movie can be horrible. 
But if I can eat popcorn and mochi crunch, the best movie ever. I can cry eating popcorn and mochi crunch. It's just that good. So cutting out movies, it's a difficult thing. When God has my heart, easy to do. Easy to do. When he captures my heart, very easy to do. That's what he's after. He says, I just want your heart. I met a guy for the first time some, uh, some time ago, and, and I remember uh, he, he asked for some tithe envelopes. And he said, hey, do you have tithe envelopes? And I said, yeah, yeah. And we we're in the front office. This was a, one of the uh, days of the week, so it wasn't a Sunday. And I said, oh, um, yeah, I have some envelopes. And he says, yeah, yeah, I just want uh, to pay my tithe. I want to give my tithe. I said, oh, okay. So I gave him the envelope. Uh, and I said, oh, so what is your name? And he gave me his name. I said, oh, nice to meet you. And I was just about to turn around to walk away. He goes, well, who are you? I said, oh, I'm, I'm Sheldon. He goes, oh, you, you work around here. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I serve here. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. He goes, oh, okay, cool. Kept writing his on the, the envelope. And so I just started talking with him and and. What I noticed was he doesn't even come to this church. And so learning his story, he's, he's moving, so he's trying to find a church. But here's what I learned from this man. He, didn't, he doesn't even come to this church, and he tithes here. And I thought, Lord, you are so faithful that even people who don't come to church here tithe here. And I was amazed that this man understood the principle of tithing. To him, it was giving to God. It wasn't giving to this church or giving toward a person. It was all about God. Because he could care less about everything else. And I knew that with that man, God captured his heart. He didn't say, oh, by the way, uh, you can put this towards uh, the parking lot because get pukas. Uh, by the way, you can put this towards uh, the youth wing because get pukas. Uh, by the way, you can put this toward the baseball field because get pukas. <laughs> we, we actually do. He didn't do that. He just said, I'm tithing to God. And I learned from him. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, it says, This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Isn't that something? Tithing teaches us something. It teaches us to put God first in our lives. See, we think giving is losing something. But God says, no, no, no. God says giving is about becoming someone. You're becoming more like God, being a giver. In the book of Malachi, the Lord says, I will send my messenger. And this is in Malachi chapter 3. I will, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a, launder, a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites or those that serve. He'll purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by as in former years. So I will come and put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows, the fatherless, the deprive the foreigners, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord. And then he says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me says, and I will return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? 
Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, okay, God, how are we robbing you? This is where it gets pretty deep. He says, in tithes and offerings. Then he says this, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me on this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. You know what God is saying? There are some things that we battle with. And the questions that he asked was, how are we to return? How are we robbing you, we asked God. What have we said against you? God says, he continues in verse 13, you have spoken arrogantly against me. You have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. In other words, sometimes we'll have eyes that see other people doing wrong things, and we say, how come they have and I don't? And God, you want me to do it your way, but how come I'm not getting, but they are, and they're doing evil things. God says, don't focus on that. You don't look to that. And then he says this, because then those who fear the Lord, they talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence according to those who feared the Lord and honored his name. And he says, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, They will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who don't. You know what God is saying? Ask me the questions. All the things you're battling with, ask me the questions, but I'm going to give you the answer. You're going to be able to see a separation between those who don't serve God and then those who do. He says there's going to be a clear distinction, not because of our giving, but he says you're going to have a clear distinction because you're going to see a blessed people. That's the difference. God wants to bless us, but the only way we have Bible blessing is to do it Bible way. Is giving to God difficult? Only if he doesn't have your heart. But when he has your heart, everything else falls into place. We can give of our time, resources, resources, and energy even to God. And it will always start in our very own homes. That's where God wants us to begin. Amen. You bow our heads with me as we close in prayer and ask Glenn to come to the keyboard. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that you're the you're the greatest giver of all. You, you model for us what it looks like. And yes, you have everything. Yes, it's, it, it can seem like it's easy for you to give. I mean, you, you created everything out of nothing. So it's easy for you to give. You have everything. And it can sound almost unfair that, okay, God, yeah, you gave to us, but it's easy for you because you have everything. But then when we learn from Scripture and we read from your Word, then we understand why we give to you. Although it seems like you have everything, there's something that you desire the most. Because you don't always have everything. There was one time in our lives that you didn't have our heart. That's all you want just want our heart you don't want anything else you want our heart you don't need our time you don't need our resources our finances you don't need our energy but you desire our heart because wherever whatever we treasure there our heart will be also. 
so we want to treasure you, Lord. We desire you the most. Give us wisdom, Lord, in, in how, to, how to spend our time, our, our energy, even our resources, how to do that. For some of us, it may be as simple as going on a budget and just looking at our, our finances and, and putting it in order. You want to bless us. So we need you to do this. And I pray for all of us, Lord, as we learn how to give to you, how to live this new life as a believer, that we would trust in you. This is the one area that you said to test you in, and it's giving to you. And when we give to you out of our resources, out of our finances, you say, test me. See if I will not bless you. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and bless you. You do these things, you will be blessed. Some of you are here today and God is tugging at your heart because you know he wants your heart, but you've never said yes to him. You've never given him your heart. It's called salvation. And that, that salvation moment that, that takes place, when that happens, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices because now you're, you're making an eternal decision. And if you've never said yes to Jesus this morning and you're saying, I, I want Jesus to, to capture my heart. I want to give him my heart. I want to give him my life. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to pray with you this morning. And as I say this prayer, you can repeat after me. Just include your heart. In fact, we can all pray this prayer together. And here's our prayer. You can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. I choose to give to you. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, would you just lift a hand real briefly and I just want to pray over you and ask for God's blessing over your life. And, and if you just said that prayer, just hold your hands up. Yeah, God sees you. God bless you. Okay. You can put your hands down. Lord, I, I pray for those who said yes to you. Pray for those who are who are, are on their journey to this new life. I pray for your blessing. Pray for all of us, Lord, as we continue to learn about giving to you. That we would put aside our flesh and, and follow you with our, our spirit. Because we know, we know what is the righteous thing. And we want to we wanna obey you, Lord. Help us to do that. It's a struggle, Lord, sometimes. That's why we need you. So empower us, Lord, to become the people you see us to be. We want to be more like you, Lord. May our vault be just like yours. That you gave light to us. Help us to do the same to you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, amen. Can we just thank God for those who said yes to Jesus this morning? And welcome into the family of God.